G'day, my name is Adam Draycott. You're watching the online ministry from Inverell Anglican Church. Uh, this ministry has been prepared for Sunday the 18th of February 2024. And our sentence of scripture comes from Psalm 13. It says, We put our trust in the steadfast love of the Lord. Our heart shall rejoice in his salvation. We will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with us. Uh, friends, let's return praise to the Lord. Let's sing to the Lord because of his, because of all of his goodness to us. Of our worship only 
Let me pray. Almighty gracious Father, since our whole salvation depends on our true understanding of your holy word, grant that our hearts, freed from worldly affairs, may hear and understand your holy word with all diligence and faith, so that we may rightly discern your gracious will, cherish it, and live by it with all earnestness to your praise and honour through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. As we come to God's word, our Bible readings today come from Psalm 51 verses 1 to 12 and Mark's Gospel chapter 2 verses 1 to 12. Let me take a moment to read the preaching passage. Mark chapter 2 verses 1 to 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the whole the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. Or to say, get up. Take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I wonder what you think your biggest problem is. And imagine having your biggest problem solved. For some people, it's going to be a health issue. For others, it's family strife. Maybe problems on the farm. Finances. The children, maybe it's the parents. In this story, there is a man with enormous personal problems. He's simply called the paralytic. And don't worry, it doesn't mean that he's exceedingly drunk. He's not plastered. It means, no, it means he's paralyzed. Paraplegic, quadriplegic. 
We don't know if he's been born this way or if he's had an accident. We just don't know. But in a land where there are no social services at all, this man has massive problems. He's not mobile. He's carried around by his mates. He would have been reduced to begging. It's almost beyond us to understand what it is like to live this in this time. I mean, we, we have social security, we have providers, safety nets to pick us up. We have allowances and assistance. It really is beyond us to know what it would be like. No money, no work, no opportunities. And his four friends are desperate to get him to Jesus. Desperate is the word. They can't get in because of the crowd. Verse 2, they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. He preached the word to them. People standing in doorways, congregating outside. So they climb onto the roof, verse 4. They dig a hole in the roof and they lower him down. What a sight. Maybe they've missed out before. Maybe they've tried to get to Jesus before. I mean, last week, do we remember the frenzy surrounding Jesus, the amazed crowds that were pressing in on him from every side? And Jesus, what does Jesus say? He's saying, oh, can we go somewhere else so I can preach there? That is why I have come. And maybe these guys missed out that time. And so now they're not content even with waiting outside. They dig a hole in the roof and they lower him down. If only they can get their friend down to Jesus, their friend will be healed. There is no thought here that Jesus might be bogus. There is no doubt such is their determination. Their mind is made up. And as he's coming down and as he's being lowered down to the feet of Jesus, what do they hear from the top? Verse 5. Son, your sins are forgiven. Yeah, do you reckon that's what they've come for? Can you imagine the, the look on their faces? What, what did he say? I mean, we, they've put everything into getting them there. They've even dug a hole in the roof. For what? What did he say again? Did you hear what he just said? Can you imagine the paralytic? I mean, he's lying on the floor. And what is his response? Look, thanks and all, that's really lovely and nice of you, but, but really it was walking I had in mind. Son, your sins are forgiven. 
Now, what follows in the story is some theological argy-bargy, which happens a lot around Jesus, and people start shifting. So verse 7, who does this bloke think he is? Only God can forgive sins. This is a terrible blasphemy, they conclude. And of course, Jesus knows. Jesus knows what's on their minds. I mean, is there anything worse than someone who says, I know what you're thinking? And then they're, they're right. Terrible. But verse 8, Jesus knows. He knows their thoughts. And what does he say? Why are you thinking these things? I mean, what is easier? To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. Or to say, get up, take up your mat and walk. What is easier? I mean, of course it's easy to say your sins are forgiven because nobody knows if you can pull it off. But the moment you say, get up and walk, well, that is something else altogether. Everyone will know if you can do that. So you tell me, what is easier? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Verse 10, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, stand up, roll up your mat, and go home. <laughs> and then what follows that? What follows that might be the understatement of the century. What do they say? We have never seen anything like this. Verse 12. We have never seen anything like this. I bet they've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like that. Now, why is this an important story for us? Because it tells us that having your sins forgiven matters more than anything else in the world. It isn't that Jesus cannot heal this bloke, because at the end of the story he does. But Jesus chooses to deal with the bigger problem before he tackles this other problem. If you're a paraplegic during the time of Jesus, your day is taken up trying to work out how you're going to make ends meet from one day to the next. I don't know if he'd ever thought about having his sins forgiven. But for Jesus, it's top of the agenda. Son, your sins are forgiven. Why is having your sins forgiven so important? Why is it that Jesus makes this priority number one? It's because if you don't have your sins forgiven, you can't actually become friends with God. If you don't have your sins forgiven, there is no way at the end of the age that you can meet God and be right with him, be sweet with him. If we don't have our sins forgiven, we cannot take our place in a new creation that God is preparing for his people to be in. 
I mean, the new creation is going to be awesome. No more pain and suffering and crying and death. And if you don't have your sins forgiven, you can't be part of that. If you don't have your sins forgiven, the whole reason for living could be lost on you. If you don't have your sins forgiven, there is no way God will come to me and change me and make me his. Which raises the next question, what do I need to be forgiven for? I mean, don't, don't misunderstand me here. You don't go to hell for lying. You don't go to hell for committing sexual adultery or for stealing chocolates or for telling fibs. You don't go to hell even if you've murdered your mother-in-law. I mean, they're all inconsistent with the faith in Christ that we profess. That's true. We are right to be against all of those things. Don't not hear that. That's not why you end up in hell. A person goes to hell because they say to God, No. No, I'm not going to have you run my life. And instead of treating God like God, we treat God like he's an equal. Or we push him away. Or we treat him like he's less, he's inferior. Where we say, sorry God, but I'm not going to have it your way. I decide what's best for me, not you. I know better than you. And when we do that, that will exclude us from the new creation. That does exclude us from friendship with God now. And that is what is so serious. It's an attitude where God is going to be God in my life or... Well, I'm going to take and enjoy all the good things that God gives me in my life and then I'll give him the flick. I'm going to assume all the blessings. But the giver of the blessings, he can keep walking. It's like the leper last week. And this is what needs to be forgiven. And only God can forgive us. Because it is he that we have treated like this. <laughs> this bloke had terrific needs. Enormous needs. He needed to be forgiven. And I need to be forgiven. And you need it too. Next question. Is it easy to forgive? Well. <laughs> Do you find it easy to forgive? Does it depend on what people have done? It's not easy to forgive. Often it will depend on the kind of issue, what kind of issue it is. Okay, then well, how important is our own forgiveness? How important? Very important. How do I know it's important? Well, look at the great lengths God goes to 
to have my sin removed, to have my sin dealt with so that I could be forgiven, so that you could be forgiven. Look at the lengths that God goes to. Whoa, Adam, what did he do? Well, look at verse 10. What is it that God actually did? Jesus says, verse 10, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. How, how is it that Jesus can forgive sins? Well, by the time we get to the end of this gospel, Jesus has died and risen from the dead. And this is what Jesus said about his death, and it is very special. Jesus says in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, I have come to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus said on another occasion, My blood is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for the forgiveness of sins. See, do you know Christ Jesus died for you? Do you know Christ Jesus died for you? Do you know that? That when he died, he took the punishment which our sins deserved so that we could be completely forgiven. Do you see how we're saved? We're not saved by the ooh, do the best you can do method where good deeds cancel out all the bad deeds and we hope for the best in the end deeds and that is hopeless. Hopeless. You don't get heaven by being good. You don't get God by being good. You get it by being forgiven. And you get forgiven because Jesus has done something that enables that to happen so that God doesn't have to play games with us and say, oh, just forget it. Don't worry about it. I mean, if God just says, oh, don't worry about it. Let's just forget it. Doesn't he have to say that to everybody? And if he says it to everybody, where do we draw the line? But he doesn't. He doesn't say, oh, let's just forget it. The penalty of sin must be paid for. God is thoroughly just. And God says, I'll take the punishment. I will wear it. I'll see that penalty paid for. And I'll give it to you as a gift. Sound easy? Sound simple? Tell that to Jesus. Anything but easy and simple for him. Jesus is the one that took our punishment. Jesus is the one that laid it on the line for me. It was an enormous thing that Jesus would bear the wages of a sinful world. No, it's not an easy thing for God to forgive you or me. What I have done and what we have done is a big thing.
But you can know that by the lengths Jesus goes to to rectify it. Has your biggest problem been dealt with yet? Is God's forgiveness the best and most important thing you have in your life? God's forgiveness. Are these words, your sins are forgiven, are they the best words Jesus could ever say to you? Can you say with a free heart, yes, I am forgiven. I've grabbed a hold of that thing which is the biggest of all things, where we rejoice as forgiven sinners. Maybe you haven't and you want to. Have you said sorry to God? Have you said thank you to Jesus? Have you said please, please forgive me and turn me into a new person? Friends, if you have any doubts about your forgiveness, look no further than the cross of Jesus Christ and see God's love for you there. Never be in any doubt of God's love for you as we look to the cross. Do you need to talk to someone about this, about forgiveness? It's too important not to. Do not delay. Receiving God's forgiveness is so important. And if you don't have God's forgiveness, I say to you right now, it is your greatest number one need. If you do have it, of course, it should be your greatest joy and your greatest treasure. Amen.
Christ is with me.